Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Buddy, it, this is BGN Radio, episode number 382. I am Jimmy Kemsky. I'm very cool. Uh, with me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton, also very cool, of BleedingGreenNation.com. Second video. Hello, friends. Um, I was told by one of the comments uh, not to look down, like, at myself or you in the picture and instead look mm. up at the, the camera. Stare into the camera the whole time menacingly. I can't do that. I can't just look at like because just blackness like on the on the top of my computer mm. screen. I can't. I don't know. I need something to. I need like a face. It doesn't feel very out. human, right? <laughs> right. So I mean, I do. So when I have like TV hits and they're on Zoom or whatever, I do it then because it would look really weird like on TV if I were just like looking down. Like <laughs> like this, this would be a weird look to be on TV like this. Uh, but I think for a podcast. I think it's I think it's fine, but my I my agree. I I appreciate the suggestion, but it is one that is going to go unfollowed. Um, so my apologies to and thank you for listening to the person who had that suggestion, <laughs> and thank you for all watching the video and and you know listening to the podcast itself. But anyway, let's get past that. Uh, we are going to get to a few stare go items on the offensive side of the ball. We'll have like a, a half dozen guys that will debate whether we think they're going to stay with the Eagles in 2024 or go. We're going to talk about this weird. I mean, it's not even a story. It's just nothingness surrounding AJ Brown and just the team as a whole about how they kind of got torn apart uh, at the end of the season. There's no specifics whatsoever on what exactly anyone's talking about with that. It's just weird. And I've mostly ignored it because it's all stupid and like, give me something to, to, you know, bite my teeth into or just STFU, if you will. And uh, and we'll also get to some of the um, coaching updates that the Eagles announced. I guess that was on Friday they did that. We're recording this mm-hmm. on a Saturday morning, by the way. Uh, but before we get to all that, are we doing Righteous Felon first or wrong That's crowd? right, Jimmy. Righteous okay, Felon. Well, that's you then. That's, As uh, you can see on my hat here on the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel, uh, also, by the way, I had someone reach out about how, like, you know, you can see my Twitter handle here, Brandon Lee Gowton, my full name, and then my Twitter handle, at Brandon Gowton, on the video screen where yours, I think, last week was just Jimmy or whatever you put in there. And <laughs> okay. someone was like, why did you, like, not include Jimmy's Twitter handle? I'm like, I didn't do that. He did that. <laughs> That's him. Like, I'm not. If, if you want to, you can put it there. It's up, you can Brandon doesn't you want me want to have more Twitter followers. Right. He doesn't want yeah. me to add to my listener base. Suppressing your. I, I only <laughs> say your Twitter handle, like, every podcast or 
put it in the episode description as well. Anyway, uh, Right Just Felon Craft Jerky, as you can see here. If you want a cool hat like this, you can get it at RightJustFelon.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. The best possible meat snacks in the game when it comes to the beef jerky or the biltong or the meat steaks that I like a lot that my dad personally uh, orders often. Uh, really good. A lot of different flavors. Can't go wrong. Go to RightToSellin.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. We really appreciate you supporting them to help support the podcast and whatnot. Okay, Jimmy. So we're starting with what? The nothingness. Should we just start with the nothingness? Yes, let's start with the nothingness. So I guess it's it's worth bringing up the timeline of kind of all this. It's been a weird week. It's been a weird week, especially as someone who like you, like we write about this stuff or talk about it on a podcast. So you kind of have to like be aware of what's going on. But like you said at the same time, it seems like a lot of nothing. Now that being said, uh, there are some, there's a credible reporter who put some stuff out there that was kind of, I think spurred by what else was going on. But anyway, starting from the beginning. Okay. So early in the week, you have Craig Carton on FS1 do commit the cardinal sin of what you hate where it's like i hate hate it so much just say it don't be like yeah well actually and also like why is this coming up now this eagle season ended in early january right (laughs) right it's coming up yeah end of february that oh i i know the secret i think people too have just become so obsessed with like well what happened and it's like i don't know if it's a mystery it's kind of just like they sucked and yeah sometimes nfl teams suck it's not like the Eagles are the first team to ever, I mean, are they one of the first teams to go on the collapse? They did, sure. But are they the first team to ever have a bad stretch? No. Uh, anyway, so Craig Carton goes on FS1. He says that thing about it's kind of nebulous. I think fan speculation gets involved. I saw some claims, and I want to be clear here, there's nothing substantial about this, but, like, there's talk of, like, infidelity or something. Like, there's, like, a lot of different just, like, coming out of nowhere, yeah. weird rumors. People just no, guessing. Yeah. Yeah which is the oh, danger seems dramatic, but that's like the downside of someone throwing out something so nebulous like that, as then people are going to fill the void. And then some people, I think this whole thing, this whole week has really kind of been a testament to how like we need better media literacy, because I think there's just like a lot of misinformation out there and then people contribute to that and then share things and then perpetuate things. And then that kind of takes on a life of its own. And then people get mad at the media, even though I think they're also part of it in terms of spreading misinformation. I'm not saying media isn't at fault here at some level, but also I think the response to the media is also part of an issue. So I kind of really just went on a, uh, I got off track there, but the point being Craig Carton puts that out. Then we have Derek Gunn. I think that's then again, our credible reporter. We love D gun um, says that I guess kind of in a response to that, and clearly coming from the, it seemed like the team at some level, or certainly from a, a certain source, a, cer- a source with a, uh agenda, as most sources would have. Um, number one, that Jalen Hurts, you know, was, uh, needs to be like more uh, like available, I guess. That's kind of what was consistent with what we had on Bleeding Green Nation with Joe Santa Liquido's reporting that uh, more so, I should say, he was pulled in a lot of directions last offseason mm-hmm. after the contract. Uh, and, that is which is totally normal by the way like you yeah. kind of expect that 
Right. And you would also expect that a kid that's, I mean, so Jeffrey Lurie has talked, I'm sorry to cut you off there, but um, has ex- talked a lot about his, you know, Jalen Hurts' maturity even went as far as to say like, he's more mature than, you know, my son who is, you know, four or five years older than Jalen Hurts or whatever. Um, and certainly Jalen Hurts is very mature like for his age, but when you make $255 million suddenly overnight and, you know, I, and you're the leader of a football team where football is life in the city where you play. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a ton of pressure and like, like D gun said, you're going to be you know, kind of torn in a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. People wanting you for this, people wanting you for that, uh, you know, asked to be, you know, um, you know, be more than just a quarterback of the team and, you know, reading defenses and making checks at the line. It's more than that. It's building relationships with all the players, both on the offense and to some degree on the defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of being that guy, you're, you know, kind of become something of a presidential kind of figure <laughs> player wise uh, within the structure of a team. And it's hard to do. And when you're 25, like when I was 25 years old, I could barely like keep a like keep my head on straight selling copiers. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the difference between that and, and, you know, the weight of the world on Jalen Hurts' shoulders, you can understand where, you know, maybe there were some growing pains with suddenly being this immense figure uh, all of a sudden after a month. And, and really it only happened because he was amazing in 2022. Uh-huh. And obviously he took a step back in 2023. And then when things aren't going well, and you're not winning games the same way that you were a year ago early in the season. And then you have the epic collapse down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, it's all going to go badly at that point. And um, people are going to be looking for things to to point their fingers at. And then and obviously, uh, you know, the top two guys, whenever things really snowball and go badly, it's going to be the head coach and it's going to be the quarterback. Like those mm-hmm. are the top two guys that people are going to be, you know, putting under the microscope. So, yeah, I mean, Certainly, yeah, he's you know being pulled in a lot of different directions, and um, uh, there's going to be difficulty. I mean, it's almost an impossible task to hind- to kind of handle that kind of stress and you know uh, and and scrutiny. And on that, I think there's been some sentiment that like that's coming at Jalen Hurts and trying to rip him down. I don't think that's the case. I think that is being put out there in a way that is sympathetic to him. And yes, kind of agreed. Not totally trying to make excuses but just trying to explain why he may have not been at his peak version and also i think there's a very high confidence level that he like there was a learning process from last offseason and thus will make sure moving forward he is a little bit more uh focused and not being pulled as much or not putting as much attention elsewhere so that's not like a, a knock on him to me so much as i think some people have been taking it the second part of what Degon had to say makes me <laughs> laugh a little bit because i don't doubt there isn't any level of truth to it but like this idea that nick sirianni uh you know well i should say what the actual report said from Degun was that you know nick sirianni can kind of like get into it as we've seen with players on the sideline mm-hmm. and big dom being there dom DeSandro, typically is a good presence because he kind of calms nick down a little bit and keeps him yeah. in check um which i don't doubt there's some level of truth to that but at the same time like that's pathetic. Like, why is this guy the head coach? I mean, he needs a guy who is like wrangling him on the yeah. sideline like that. And also this idea that uh, like, well, they just needed big Dom back. He was there for the playoff game that they lost 32 to nine. Right. Like, it's not like he's the magical fix. Oh, you just get big Dom back. And then Sirianni is great. Like, no, it doesn't 
I don't think it works like that. Does is Big Dom important to the organization? And does him being there ultimately, I think, help or be a good thing? Sure. Yeah. I'm not trying to doubt him at all, but I just I think that was a little that was a little lame for me to see. I mean, I've seen the wrangling before. Like after the Chiefs game, you know how like you saw him coming uh through the tunnel and he's yelling at the Chiefs fans, like who's <laughs> like who's laughing now? Like who's or who's who's talking now, Chiefs fans? Like, you know, that kind of stuff. And you see Dom like kind of get him out of there. And then like I, I don't I don't know the time frame of when that happened to when like because I guess, you know, on the way from the field it back into the locker room, you know, we we're all the reporters were like in the in like the bowels of the stadium waiting, you know, waiting. Mm-hmm. We kind of stand there after games just to kind of let the uh, the listeners know we kind of stand around like down in the bowels of the stadium for uh, 10, 15 minutes or so waiting for the coach to kind of talk to the team after the game is over and, you know, sometimes guys get like a, a, a head start on like showering up or whatever. And then they let us in and we get to talk to the players. But we're hanging out like sort of out in the, like, in the hallways of the bowels of the stadium for a little while. And when Nick came off the field on his way to the locker room, he's yelling at Elliot because <laughs> I guess Elliot had done like a, a comparison of the two teams before the game. And he gave the Chiefs the edge at the combination of head coach and quarterback because of course he did he's absolutely not wrong in any way on that obviously right and uh nick was like yeah who's the better coach and quarterback now elliot <laughs> and dom like had to get him away from and then, again like it wasn't like in his face or anything like he, he was like you know good, yeah. like uh you know like 15 20 yards away like yelling down to to you know the group of the report group of reporters and dom kind of had to like you know come on man like come, come on Get in the locker room. Come on. So I've seen it. I've seen it like personally, like Dom wrangling and whatever. I'm sure that happens constantly uh, on the field with, you know, him trying to calm him down, maybe getting him away from officials or players or what have you. Um, I don't think that's a reason for the season having gone south. It's a nugget. It's a nugget maybe like that. He has to be controlled sometimes on the sidelines. But, you know, that's certainly not the reason that they that the season had a, had the downfall that it did. Right. So then, you know, uh, A.J. Brown kind of, I think, responds. To, well, I shouldn't say A.J. Brown. I should say A.J. Brown's Twitter account, which apparently. It's, it's not even him. Got hacked <laughs> during the Super Bowl. Well, he I, said he has. I, I think somebody's squatting on it is what happened. Right. Because he shut it down. Like he deactivated it. Yeah. So therefore, and so snapped it up real quick and they're squatting on it is my understanding of what happened. Yeah. Like the handle came back into circulation or into use or whatever well, after screw, it, screw anyone that does that like go to go to <laughs> hell like you know that, that is garbage give him his handle back you moron that's ridiculous that somebody would do that <laughs> i didn't expect you to care this much but um in any case uh aj brown's twitter account tweets out something how you know philly philly media blah 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 is lame which is like Philly Media isn't even the one who started. Like, Craig Carton isn't Philly Media, so that's <laughs> Philly not Media even... has nothing to do with any of this stuff, right? <laughs> so, but well, you know, I would say not nothing because I think some of what well, AJ true. ultimately is responding to, you know, is some of the trade speculation, which then kind of got. And you know, as a player, you're I don't know how closely you're paying attention to it in terms of actually knowing, like, well, is this uh, just a, a show topic that they put on WIP, which is ultimately came from like a poll, or is this someone saying? You might like as a player, I don't know, maybe you think that's the same thing as someone saying, I want this player to be traded or or you kind of mistake it for you think the fans are being like, well, we want A.J. Brown to be traded. I don't know. 
I don't know what's going on in AJ Brown's head, but he did talk on Friday. He called into WIP to, and I think he has control of his Twitter account again. By the way, I think he does have. Oh, he said he, okay. he said he has it back now, which I don't. Whatever. Anyway, um, he called into WIP, and we have an article on bleedingyournation.com about what he said, and obviously you can check out the audio wherever. But um, it's just weird, man. I just think I think there's again. I think it goes back to a media literacy thing. I think it goes this this idea that. And obviously, I'm biased. I'm coming from a standpoint of where I am part of the media. But I don't think the media is a monolith. I don't think we all have the same goals. And it's not like we collude. It's right. not like we get together and like decide on this kind of Let's stuff. Let's get A.J. Brown for no reason this offseason. And also what we do is, very, again, <laughs> very different. Like I don't do the same thing that WIP does. That's not the same thing. And I don't think anything is inherently necessarily like wrong or bad. It's just different mediums or different people. If you don't like it, you don't have to consume it. You can ignore it. Um, and I just think it's really gone awry. And I also think like this idea, yeah, the media does have an agenda. And they, I, I hate, I hate so much the perception that like negativity sells. Cause that is not, at least in my experience, I can't speak for other formats, radio or whatever in terms of, what I can talk about, like page views, podcast downloads, that is not true. Negativity does not sell. It does not. I've seen when the Eagles are bad and everything's negative, like 2020 or you know, 2050, they take a year, whatever, and the numbers are way down and they're way higher, like a year, like last year in 2022, where they're going to the Super Bowl and everything. So that's just not true. And I think anytime, you know, someone says something negative, it's like, well, they're only doing this for attention. It's not necessarily true um so i don't know it's just it's been a weird week because like it's almost like i, I feel like you should be writing an article about this but i don't even know what to say because there isn't really actually much here mm-hmm. so now we're talking about it on a podcast i guess do you have any other thoughts <laughs> on the everything yeah like my sports editor evan macy like you know i was talking to him and he was like i don't even know how we cover this and i'm like i don't think right. we do because it's nothing there's nothing to it there's nothing there's n- there's no story it's just there's just somebody's putting vague things into the ether and what are we yeah like what are we supposed to do with that and like there's nothing there i don't, the I don't want to like, write the headline for the story yeah, what i mean is the headline? i don't i don't want to give it credence either like i don't right. want to i don't want to give any of this credence because it just leads to more of this nothing crap like so let's get back to craig carton for a second like hmm. craig carton used to be um a, a, he used to be on the radio in in philly and was a producer i think for miss Anelli way back in the day when Missinelli was on WIP and then, you know, Carton went on to, you know, have a huge career in New York with Boomer in the morning. They took over for Imus, I believe. Mm. And then like, they were number one in the city there for like a while. And then he went to jail for a while for, uh, some like ticket scheme. I, I don't, I don't know all the details of it, but he went away for a little while, came back and now he's on FS1. But back in the day when he was in Philly, he actually came out with a report about, uh, Eric Lindros, mm-hmm. where he said he missed Lindros missed a game because he was hungover from the night before, and like the Flyers, I think like sued the radio station or something like that. And later they admitted that he did indeed miss that game because he was hungover. So that's mm-hmm. an instance where like Craig Carton came out with a pretty inflammatory, uh, you know, uh, report or uh, rumor or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. That turned out to be true, but he was specific in like what happened. In this case, right. he's just like, "Oh, something happened that would that would break apart any group of men." It's like, what? What? 
Say what you know or shut the F up. If you got something, say it. If you don't, you don't have it. If you don't have it good enough where you can put it out there and feel confident that your information is good, shut the F up. I hate it's the worst kind of reporting. It's I think it, my understanding is that it's rampant in the NBA and it's mm. starting to creep in a little bit in the NFL. Like Josina Anderson earlier in the offseason had something to the effect of like you know, things are going to happen with the Eagles. Like, no kidding. Things are going to happen with every team in the NFL. Like what? And by the way, what happened? What 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 was what was the thing that she thought was going to happen that happened? That Matt Patricia was going to get fired? No shit. <laughs> that uh, that like you know Sean Desai was going to be gone. Like okay, so uh, like just the the whole I know something, but I'm not gonna I can't I'm not gonna tell you I eyes emoji. Like, yeah, it's, it's it's just the absolute worst, and I hate it with every fiber of my being. Not just as a journalist, like if I were just a fan that was like following around, like following a team or whatever, and someone came out, it's just totally useless, totally useless. Look at me, self-indulgent garbage. And that's my. I rant. agree with that. I, and to be clear, I'm not trying to defend Craig Carton, but I'm, I'm gonna say that he probably does maybe know something. Now I don't know, you know, what it is or if it's. I, I don't think. I don't think. I. There's an idea. Or it gets said a lot like that. The media just literally makes something up, and I think for the most part that is not true. I think for the 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 vast Agreed. majority of the time, it's not just like, "Well, I'm bored. I'm just going to say something random and make it up." I don't think that happens. But I agree with you in the case that if you do know something like this, you should actually not say anything or actually say it. You don't get credit. You don't get any credit for being like, "See, like if Craig Carton, if the, if something happens to the Eagles, and." Uh, he tries to take a victory lap on that. No, like because if you knew it, you got to say it. Yeah, he said, "Say it. what happened?" But what was it? Because well, he could take a victory lap on specifically like, happened. To your point, like anything, anything, anything could happen, and be like, "See, that was it." It's like, okay, it's easy to right. say after the fact. Um, so now he did have the line about like, "We'll see if a certain player, high-profile player, is still on the team." I guess like that's kind of what he was more hinting at. Okay, but I don't know. Whatever. Um. But right, but there's a, there's still a pretty good chance on that hitting. Like sure. Fletcher Cox could sign with some other team in free agency, like he right. almost did a year ago. And then what are you going to do a victory lap because Fletcher Cox signed with the Jets or or some other team? Like, come on. Yeah. Um. So, I think Zach Berman, who you were just on a uh, podcast with for Jeff McLean's uncovering the bird, uncovering the birds, right? Yes, correct. Uh. A live Q&A. Shout out to the BGN radio reference by Jeff at the end there. Um, but Zach had a good point on his, you know, the PHOI podcast about how like the Eagles have some level of being complicit in this in terms of uh, they don't necessarily owe anyone anything, but hey, maybe if you're making like Vic Fangio and Kellen Moore available around this time, people will be talking about that instead of mm -hmm. this. And I'm not saying like, I'm not trying to justify uh, like, well, people are justified for potentially making stuff up or whatever because the Eagles aren't doing anything. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that when you do have this time of year where uh it's kind of it's one of the slower times of year because yeah. you know Super Bowl's over and we're not yet at the combine. We're not yet at the start of free agency or anything. Mm -hmm. There's just not much going on. And I think people look to fill the void. Um so 
I'm not saying everything in, in that void is made up, but what gets attention, what gets talked about is stuff that isn't necessarily substantive or really real like you're talking about here. So I don't know. It, it was just like a weird week because it seems like the the fan, you know, frustration with the media is high and I get it, but I just, I don't think like the media is this evil thing out to get the team that like people make it to be. And I think people don't ever really, I'm not saying everyone needs to appreciate the media more and bow down, but I don't think people, there's no comments when, you know, there's like a, there's, there are some when there's like a really good story about a player, you know, like a deep dive insight into someone, um, you know, I, 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 those kind of stories do get positive feedback. You'll see like, Oh, great article by so-and-so, but, I feel like that's the conversation. It's not like, you know what? The media is a really good tool because we get this inside look at the Eagles or whatever. It's not, there's never, that get, never gets acknowledged. No. It's only no. an evil thing we're trying to get yeah. out. So I'm just saying, like, if, if we're going to be, you know, we're going to point out the pros yeah, also, and cons. It, never, never like, oh, good job on your, on when you said, like, I think this player is going to be good or bad. Uh, good job. Right. Like when you, when you said that. Oh, you believed ago. in that player. You were right. <laughs> right. More like, it's, it's, it's always, it's, it's usually, the, it's usually the other way around where if right. you get something wrong. If you get a, you know, an opinion wrong on something then you'll hear about it six months later. And whatever. <laughs> I'm not saying the media is a victim. That's fine. I'm just yeah, saying, whatever. you know, just, you know, if, if why don't you point out both, point out both sides. Anyway, that's what the media is supposed to do. Ostensibly. Real, real quick thing. I, I thought you made a good point on like the, just the, the lull in yep. the off season right now where anything comes out at all, it's going to spread like crazy. Cause there's nothing else to talk about. Mm-hmm. I like, I, and I can speak firsthand knowledge on that. Like back in, I think it was 2014. I, mm. during OTAs, I just like seventh or eighth bullet point down. I mentioned that Matt Barkley had a, a sideline throw that went <laughs> took a long time to get there. It's a sideline throw, so you're trying to put some heat on that. And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know about his arm strength. I think if he's going to, you know, make it in the league, like as, he's going to be a prominent player in the league, he's going to have to be really good at anticipation throws, getting the ball out on time, because he's just not going to have the kind of arm strength to compensate for, you know, any kind of." Um, be, you know, being off schedule on a play and Reddit picked it up and was like somebody on Reddit that like they changed, they kind of like took that one bullet point And like, as their headline on reposting my mm-hmm. OTA practice notes was basically like Matt Barkley as a rag arm, Matt Barkley having been a, I, I like, I, apparently he was like on Reddit a lot. He's like a he was part of that community. Yeah. And he saw that of course. And in the comments of that post, he wrote something to the effect of like, shut up, Jimmy. <laughs> you don't know what the defensive, what the defense was on, on that play. You don't know what the play call was. You don't know what the assignment was. You don't know what kind of throw I'm trying to make in that situation, blah, 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 blah. And if you think that my arm strength isn't up to par or whatever, then why don't we have a catch sometime? Okay. So that like, if that had happened during like free agency or, <laughs> near the draft time or during the season, it had been just a blip that nobody really paid attention to, but it happened in June and one media outlet got wind of it. Somehow they wrote an article on it and then boom, every national media outlet in the country had it. Every one, like all of them. Cause at yep. the time, like Matt Barkley was, you know, was not too far removed from being a four-year starter at a powerhouse uh, college football program. And, you know, at one time he was, of course, thought to potentially maybe be like the number one overall pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. There's still a big name at that point. Kudos to Matt Barkley, by the way, for 
sticking in the league. Still in the league now. Sticking in the league. He, he, was, like he, has. The, he was on the Giants practice squad this year, I feel like. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, good for him. He's still collecting paychecks in the NFL. So that's awesome. But, like, uh, it went everywhere. And that that would never happen, like I said, like during a non-lull during the season. But there's nothing going on. People are looking for content. And that was just something that they could publish and put up. And, oh, okay, we're, we're good for the day now. Like, it's just something to, you know, kind of fill their content for the day. And, you know, it's crazy from my perspective. My name's everywhere. Matt Barkley's name's everywhere. But, like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how, like, weird nothing kind of stories can just, boom, spread like that because there's nothing else to talk about. And take on a life of its own. And then, yeah, the player maybe doesn't, like, totally get, again, like, the proper context or anyway. It's all, it's all, it's kind of a mess, really. It seems like a really messy thing. And uh, I don't love it from a vibes perspective from, like, the Eagles energy, like some of the Eagles energy, like the AJ Brown stuff behind it, in terms of just like doesn't feel amazing, but I think it's quite possible that it just, like we keep saying, doesn't really matter because it's nothing ultimately. Uh, AJ Brown, by the way, like really good dude and not like a crazy, like wide receiver diva that we've, you know, seen locally and around the league. He's, he's not like that, in my opinion. He's a good player. I think his teammates really like him. And yep. he's always been really, he's been really respectful to me. I can't speak for everyone, but really respectful to me. And I think other people that have interviewed him over the last two years in Philadelphia, here, I have no problems with him whatsoever. And I don't think he has any problems with like the, the regular beat writers that interact with him or anything like that. And he just seems like a totally normal guy. <laughs> like, so like the, 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 the idea that he's kind of become this, this, um, this figure that's kind of be, being painted that way. Mm. Maybe not again, not by us, but it's has is kind of being painted that way. Um, just I don't know, sort of like among I don't know. I, mean, just, I don't I don't want to place blame on where however, you know, however it's happened, but he's kind of been painted that way, and that's just not who he is as a person, in my opinion. I think that's his issue. He feels on his own words, I think what he said on WIP, he feels misunderstood. And I yeah, think he is being fair. misunderstood. I think that's yeah. an issue. I and I get that. And that's and I'm sure that in and we're talking about Jalen Hurts being young, by the way. AJ Brown's not that much older. He's still he's right. also like a young guy. And I feel like, especially too, when you've been as dominant as he's been, and then you're still like, Well, it's like, what the hell? Like, what more can I do on the football field to like avoid kind of <laughs> right. getting this ire? So um, that's not to say he's handled every situation maybe like perfectly, or uh maybe he should channel some of his energy in a different way at times or whatever. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely like people AJ Brown's a leader he's a team captain and he's also like considered to be a vocal leader and think about how you know he was the one who admitted he took accountability with the uh, Jalen Hurts AJ Brown he said like you know we kind of freelanced at the end of that Seahawks game like and, yeah. and took a bullet for Nick Sirianni when he didn't have to after Sirianni took a bullet for him so also um, when he got the uh the celebration penalty that could they wound up winning that game I forget what game that was but at the end, at the end of that game, he, he yeah. had a celebration penalty, and whoever they were playing, they got—I mean, they got 15 added extra yards and a chance. Or did it hurt? It was it the Commanders? It was the Commanders? Game? Yeah, it was the Commanders game. Infield. Oh yeah, because he beat Forbes, and then he like kind of he put the ball down. Forbes was on the ground. He put the ball down in front of Forbes, which is dumb, and he got a penalty right. for it. And uh, it could have cost him. It wound up not, but he yeah. took accountability for that too. For sure. Yeah, I'm not saying AJ's perfect here, but yeah. Also, you see like this clip from. You know, Peter King on WIP going around on whatever Thursday or Friday. It was like, the Eagles need to figure out A.J. Brown. No, they don't. 
It's already figured <laughs> out. He's a great player. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's going to be an interesting conversation to have in the future when it comes to you know paying Devonte and everything. But that has nothing to do with like AJ Brown's personality, I think, or his talent level. That's just a that's like a roster machination philosophical standpoint. It's not about like he's a problem and we need to fix that. Like just that seems to be some of the suggesting out there in this nebulous, weird reporting thing is like well, AJ Brown's really talented, but is he part of the problem? They collapsed. No. No, he's not. I mean, six one zero. Everyone's part of it on the team, but like, he's not the place to. Call he's in. not like, oh, if we need to fix it, this is the place to start. No, there's way other many places to start before you get down to AJ Brown. So anyway, uh, any anything else, or is that all? Yeah. Now I think we yeah. talked way too long about a story that didn't even that that that, that not even a story. Okay, well, <laughs> let's take a break here, and we'll come back. As I said before, getting used to the YouTube version of this. Uh, if you're here with us on YouTube, there won't be a break. If you're on the audio feed, you'll hear an ad. So, Jimmy, we will be back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Right to Sell and Craft Jerky, which you can get at RightToSell.com, also brought to you by yeah, Wrong Crowd Beer. I mean, this is some of your beer Phyllis. that you still have to pick up. Yeah, Phyllis, that is Dan's huh. grandmother. Um, okay. It is an oatmeal stout. And we have Modern Mullets there as well. And mm. that is a Weizenbach. Uh, I've had both of these. They're both really good. Let me read you really quickly. The stout. Weiss, I um, think. Like it's, oh, it's a Weiss You're beer. probably right. Yeah. Um, brewed with a large, this is the Phyllis, brewed with a large amount of dark specialty malts and house toasted oats. The smooth, roasty ales, dark chocolate richness is enhanced greatly by caramel and oatmeal notes. This recipe was the first batch ever brewed at our Westchester location. That's not beer, that's stout. So, you know, an OG here which you can get by going to Wrong Crowd Beer Company in Westchester, Pennsylvania, or checking out your local beer place. And what do you do, Jimmy, if they don't have it? And you go in there and you just start screaming, like at the top of your lungs in don't the store. <laughs> don't, don't. No, just ask, ask kindly. Uh, I, I happen to love Wrong Crowd Beer, and I would love it if you got some Wrong Crowd Beer in mm. stock here so that I can purchase the Wrong Crowd Beer from you and then you can make money and save it over time and buy a yacht in your later years um so we all win if you just get the wrong crowd beer in here seems like a no-brainer right it seems like a no-brainer that's how you can explain it to the to the shopkeep yes that does not have the wrong crowd beer Um, by the way weiss beer that there's a place it's not there anymore but like on the like sort of on one of the little islands on the way onto long beach island I guess it's a uh, Cedar Bonnet Island. It's called. Hmm. There's a place. It was the Dutchman's. That was the restaurant part. And then there was an outside part called the Quelly, where you could sit outside during the summer. And it was awesome because you'd sit out there. You have like, you know, you'd be, be at like a table, like out on a deck that was on the bay. 
and like you know and the bridge was right there too so you'd see kind of boats coming like under the bridge each way and people would pull would you know go, like they would go to the to this quelly from their boat so they, they'd go there by by sea as opposed to land and it was so much fun just sitting on the deck watching boats come in like people like that are kind of like inexperienced boaters trying to park their boat trying to like almost kind of like parallel parallel parking is the wrong way to put it but it's difficult parking <laughs> trying to park like uh like in like a sort of a narrow dock area so that you know when they got like six seven people in their boat and it would be fun just watching people fail over and over again trying to park their boat but we'd be out there with weiss beers mm. and it's a great like summer kind of beer to drink outside so uh probably good timing for them to put that out now i mean it's still fe- you know late february or whatever but spring summer right around the corner i'm looking forward to some good outdoor beer time and i feel like weiss is a, is a very good option for that as i like to say and is not the official tagline wrong crowd is the right place to be <laughs> uh, anyway uh let's just hit some of these coaching that the Eagles yeah. made because they officially and obviously we already be, knew about you know, most of them by by reporting, but the Eagles yeah. made them official. Yeah. And they had already officially confirmed the Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio hires, but these ones I'm about to say, there's eleven, are all now done and dusted. Uh I'm just gonna run through each of them and yep. I guess uh interrupt me if you want to say I mean so TJ yeah. Paganetti, um the Eagles needed an assistant offensive line coach and he's worked with them before, so that's pretty chalk. Um Ronald Williams was the Eagles Nichols coach that they brought in last year. It's actually been moved over to Eagles assistant linebackers coach slash defensive quality control coach. That kind of seems like a demotion or at least, you know. I don't know. I mean, it depends on how like how important that Nichols position really was in the first place. That's fair. Um, I mean, it seemed like it actually wound up being pretty important last year because they lost Maddox and they lost McPherson. And they were trying to convert McPherson sort of, I mean, he played slot some in college, but he, I mean, he played outside almost totally with the Eagles in his first couple of years and they were making him into a slot. Then he had to deal with guys like, you know, like Eli Ricks and mm-hmm. Sidney Brown got a chance at nickel a little bit. Bradley Roby. Um, and Bradley Roby. So there was a lot of kind got a got, there were a lot of guys in and out of that slot spot all year. Mm-hmm. So Nichols coach actually made a lot of sense, but they really struggled at that spot last year and maybe not, not probably had nothing to do with coaching or whatever. Yeah. The personnel um, was a, big a lot issue. of guys that couldn't really do it. So like um, that's a spot that they got to fix this off season, by the way. But um, yeah, it's interesting that they did away with that position. I guess Vic Fangio just didn't have any, just probably has never had that before. Didn't feel the need for it. And they, I, they probably liked Ronald Williams enough to keep him mm. instead of just saying, we don't want the Nichols coach anymore. You're fired by. So they, they found another, they found another home for him somewhere. So I think that you know just says something that they do like that guy, but they don't they don't want that position. Could be a case of him wanting to stick around potentially too, because he's a Chester, PA native, you know, so might just want to be you know closer to home. Okay, just a speculation there, but um, so there's that. He's I, I think it's worth bringing up, like he's one of the very few people from the defensive staff last year who will be back this year, obviously in you know more of a minor role relatively to everyone else, um, but. It's, it's not a lot. I mean, they mostly gutted the defensive staff, with the exception of someone also like Tyler Scudder, who was the assistant linebackers coach. He got promoted to mm-hmm. that last year, kind of is now down to down, quote unquote, if, if that's what it is, defensive quality control coach. Um, people have been 
in, myself included, kind of wondering about this title that the Eagles kind of rephrased Tyler Yelk from as Eagles assistant to the head coach to yeah. Eagles head coach quality control, which also just kind of funny with the timing of like the D gun Big Dom thing. Is that kind of what <laughs> sounds like what Big Dom is doing on the sideline, really? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I got a little clarity on that. I actually asked okay. the Eagles about that, and um, it, it's basically just. Um, I mean, he's he'll work with Nick is basically what yeah. it is like, you know, quality control guys are, I, I mean, I, this, this is probably, I, I hope this doesn't sound like an insult, but they're like glorified. They're way more glorified intern is the wrong way to put it. But like, you know, they're doing like a lot of sort of like the, uh, the crap work uh, on the coaching staff, but that's a guy that'll, that'll be tied closely to Nick. He's not controlling Nick in any way, not wrangling Nick in any way or anything. He's basically there to assist Nick. And then I'll also have some other um, quality control uh, responsibilities as well. But that that was actually a, sort of a promotion for him. Okay. Um, in, in a, that is the way that it was communicated to me. So it's actually a, a little bit of a step up for that guy. Uh, then we have Doug Nussmeyer, who we already knew about and was pretty much yep. like a lock to be hired ever since the Eagles hired Kellen Moore because they've been yeah. together in Dallas and then they were together in L.A. That'll be the Eagles' new quarterbacks coach, replacing Alex Taney. Worth noting that Nussmeyer is like way more experienced coaching quarterbacks than Taney. And I think uh, that's not everything, but I think the Eagles are leaning on that, the fact that this is someone who uh, has a lot of experience. And then in addition to... Um, Nussmeyer, another Cowboys Kellen Moore connection is Kyle Valero, Valero, mm -hmm. uh, whose previous title in 2022 when he last was on staff in the NFL was Dallas Cowboys quality control coach and analytics. He's had analytics in his title for several seasons. So Valero actually was on the Detroit Lions coaching staff when Kellen Moore was there from 2012 to 2013. And then they overlapped in Dallas together from 2015 to 2022. So they've, you know, they've been around each other for some time. He has a background as more of like an assistant wide receivers coach. But again, the last two years, he's actually had like that analytics title added. And now he's officially listed as Eagles offensive assistant. So I don't really, you know, know a ton about him specifically but the point of like Nussmeyer coming in and Valero coming in it's clear that like Kellen Moore has some level of influence on the coaching staff and and the offense yeah um I think it's also interesting the guys that that kept their jobs is probably worth noting Nick of course mm -hmm. Michael Clay was it going to be obviously Jeff Stoutland was never going to go anywhere we you and I had actually kind of done a we ran through very quickly the positional coaches and whether we thought they were going to stay or go at the yeah. time, Kevin Petulo was, we already knew he was going to be staying. So that That's was easy. Sirianni's boy. Yeah. I, I think we both thought that Jamal Singleton was going to stay. Right. Uh, I remember you pointing out that Jason Michael was really close with Nick and he was likely to stay. Even if the tight ends maybe didn't have a great year, Jeremiah Washburn, I think we both had as a stay. Yep. Uh, Aaron Moorhead is the one that maybe, I don't know if I would call it surprising that he got to stay, but he's a weird case in terms of when you look so i think it's easy to grade a positional coach based on how that positional group played in mm -hmm. you know any one season from year to year and 
you know, how much credit does he get for, you know, AJ Brown and Devonte Smith being as good as they are? <laughs> like, I don't know, but probably, they didn't get anything. Probably should be more than zero, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't get anything out of Quez. They didn't get right. anything out of, they didn't get much out of Olamide Zacchaeus. Julio Jones isn't going to be coached at this point in his career. He just, you know, he's been in the league so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I mean, I obviously like him because he's been around for a little while. Remember they had that stretch where they had like a new wide receivers coach like every year for like four or five years year from 20, so they, what, like 15 on or so? Yeah, it was like four or five straight years. They had a new wide receivers. Coach. But, so he's been he, he's been there for a while now. And I think that's fine. But like, um, I think he was one of the guys that we weren't sure on. Um, and then some other low level guys like not, I don't say low level, but n- n- like not positional coach. They don't have their own position like Joe Pananzio, special mm-hmm. assistant special teams. Ted Rath, the guy that you always see like running around on the sidelines, the uh, congratulating guy. players after like uh, after like a five yard gain. <laughs> He's the VP of player performance. They kept their head strength and conditioning coach Fernando Noriega, mm-hmm. and then Tyler Brown, uh, the special more of like a kicking guy, mm-hmm. and uh, Eric Dickerson, offensive quality control. They all kept their jobs. So thirteen guys kept their jobs mm-hmm. uh, after that disastrous season, which is maybe a little more than I thought would. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they did, they certainly made big changes. Like they changed their right. defensive coordinator. They changed their offensive coordinator. They changed a bunch of positions on, on defense in particular, like defensive line linebacker, um, you know, the, the defensive backfield. So all three levels, they, they changed those guys out, but most of the guys on offense kind of stuck around, even though, even though in my opinion, the offense pretty sorely under, underperformed, uh, last season. That's why I thought they might change wide receivers coach. Not again, it's not just about what they how it's not just how they coach the receivers at least you know in the past when doug talked about how his coaching staff worked you know like the wide receivers coach which was mike grow and he got therefore got a lot of credit for it when they won the super bowl was he was, yeah. did red zone or third down like he, he did a specific area that they right. did extremely well in so um you know maybe like yeah they're not just know. coaching receivers they, they, their responsibilities go beyond that they're doing right. like more they're, they're they're doing more in like the specializing game planning yeah, then then uh, then is let on sometimes, and maybe Moorhead did well in whatever that area is. I don't know, but I'm saying I thought that just that they might want a different again, like, like maybe someone connected to Kellen Moore and part of that. But uh, in any case, uh, yeah, that's all. Who's back? By the way, the Michael Clay thing. I think as you know, this is really leaning into the bit for me. But you know, when you talk about like Brian Johnson and what that could look like when you have a coordinator <laughs> who like you actually yeah. maybe give a little bit more time to, I just think that's an interesting thing to like to think about or follow along with because same people, a lot of the same people I'm sure who wanted Michael Clay gone, self-included uh, also wanted Brian Johnson very much gone. And I would say Michael Clay did worse than Brian Johnson did at their respective Agreed. jobs, at least last yeah, they, year. But and, Yeah. They're brutal on special teams the year that in 2022. I'm not trying to relitigate the whole thing. We don't need to do that. I'm just saying it's just worth considering coaches can improve. And maybe sometimes it takes going to another place, but whatever. In any case, what's done is done. Let me wrap out these coaching hires. Uh, they we were already... ranked pretty low, so, sorry, in special teams in 2022, despite Jake Elliott being awesome. Yes. So, like, it's hard to be ranked as low as they were when your kicker is as good as Jake Elliott is. Right. And as we've talked about before, it's kind of like a weird thing to parse through when it comes to the credit. Uh, Michael Clay gets for Jake Elliott because Tyler Brown is more of the kicking specialist. And, and also, I mean, let's give Jake Elliott the, the lion's share of the credit for being. And he's, yeah, Jake Elliott's great. You know? uh, and also, but, but, 
And then they're, they're number one in DVOA in 2023. Yes. Eagles special teams. So the, right. the, the, the improvements they made were drastic. Totally agree. Uh, all right. Christian Parker, his official title is, with the Eagles after being the Denver Broncos defensive backs coach is Eagles passing game coordinator slash defensive backs coach. And he's basically at the top of this trio of Roy Anderson, who is an unreported hire. He was the mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks secondary coach last year. Now the Eagles cornerbacks coach. And then the Eagles also have Joe Casper, who had been in Philly the, the two years prior to last season as the and then was the Miami Dolphins safeties coach. Is now the Eagles safeties coach. So the Eagles have at the top their defense, their passing game, defensive passing game coordinator, defensive backs coach, and then a safeties coach and a cornerbacks coach. So a little bit more of like a, a specialty thing going on there. And also the Roy Anderson thing is like, Slightly interesting in that uh, he overlapped with Vic Fangio both in Baltimore from 2006 to 2009 and then in Chicago there from 2017 to 2018. And he was actually Sean Desai's replacement uh, in a bit of a way in Seattle last year. So kind of funny that the Eagles hired his replacement and then also hired a lot of associate, his associates as well with the Fangio stuff. So um, that's the defensive backs. And then real quick, we already talked about Clint Hurt as the Eagles' new defensive line coach. Mm-hmm. He also has the senior defensive assistant title that Matt Patricia solely had last year. And then Bobby King is the Eagles' inside linebackers coach as opposed to, as you mentioned, uh, the aforementioned uh, Jeremiah Washburn as the defensive end slash outside linebackers coach slash he's also had kind of like that front office involvement in the past too. So, Parker's the interesting boom. one to me. Oh, sorry. I, no, you, that's you it. Like, boom, that's all the things. <laughs> anyway, Parker's the interesting one for me because, you know, he also got passing game coordinator in addition to the defensive backs uh, title. Mm-hmm. And he's only 32. So he's been kind of a riser um, in his young career. He kind of, you know, coach for, you know, four different uh, colleges broke in into the NFL with the Packers in 2019 was there for a couple of years as a quality control guy on defense last three years, uh, DBs in Denver. And now he gets this promotion with the Eagles. And of course in Denver, you know, I don't know how much credit you give him from Patrick Sertan and, and Justin Simmons, but you know, both of those guys had a pair of all pro seasons uh, under his watch. So, you know, he didn't mess them up is a, uh, is, is one way that you can maybe put it as a check Mark in his favor. But he's a young guy and and seems to kind of be on the rise. And obviously, Vic Fangio likes him. Um, so we'll see how he goes. But he seems to have a, a fairly important role among these hires that that the Eagles just made official on Friday. Parker, Hurt, Anderson, and Casper all have worked with uh, Vic Fangio. And yeah. that seems very much worth noting that, again, uh, the Eagles are giving their new coordinators some level of influence yeah, these are in, fangio hires yeah. you know the only yeah. one that wasn't i believe is bobby king at linebackers coach but yeah so you know it's not just a coincidence and and i don't i mean I th- it makes some level of sense in terms of you want to have a cohesive you know vision people pulling in the same direction and whatnot mm-hmm. but it, it is noteworthy because typically you know in a lot of organizations the head coach has more of that say or more of that sway and say i would say uh didn't mean to rhyme that but i did and in this case, you know, you see that, although you, you made the point that a lot of Sirianni's original coaches or, you know, people before staying, and certainly he hasn't totally been stripped of power, you're seeing, like, still, like, the power being eat at, eaten at, like, scaled back a little bit. So mm-hmm. that's all I had on the coaches. Why don't we take another 
break here, Jimmy. But before we do, if I need to buy, sell, or rent a house, who would I talk to? Oh, yes. You would speak to Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, excuse me, of Remax. Uh, 856-906-9295 is where you can call or text her again. Spring, right around the corner. That's when people start putting houses on the market. So if you're just, I mean, if you're just interested in knowing what your house might sell for, she can do like a market analysis for you. That's no cost. Uh, again, 856-906-9295. Call or text her there for any of your real estate needs. Brandon. Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, back here on BGN Radio. We're gonna finish this episode with some stay or go. And Jimmy has done the duty of you know narrowing this down to players who are you know conceivably in contention, right? Of yeah, they're, they're or most go. debatable like, guys. We're not gonna yeah. do Jalen Hurts, for example, who is actually gonna be <laughs> right. staying on the roster. <laughs> yeah. Uh we'll start with the quarterback, Marcus Mariota. Mm. I'm going to say go on this one. And I think there's a situation where if like the market just isn't there for backup quarterbacks or no one wants to come after him at all. And he's just sitting out there for a bit in free agency and you can get him for less than what, like the 5 million or so they paid. It was 5 million. He made Yeah. Last year. Yeah. Sure. Like I'm sure they would not have, I don't think they would scoff at having him back at a discounted rate, but I mean, he was so bad in training camp last year. Yep. He wasn't like terrible when he actually had to play in games, but you know, a small sample size. Um, but I mean, look, if you're looking to, I know they value backup quarterback and everything, but if you're looking to like find value and you have Tanner McKee showing the promise that he did. And also Mm -hmm. if you want Tanner McKee to get better, I feel like you kind of have to give him like second team reps because let's be real. He didn't really get a lot of reps last year because he was the third string guy. And if he was getting them, you know, he's also playing with guys who like aren't really going to make a practice squad even necessarily. So it would be really nice to me to actually see what Tanner McKee can do if you gave him more second team reps, if you gave him, you know, better talent to work with in practice. And I think uh, that's what they should do. I think they should let Tanner McKee. I'm not saying you can't bring in some kind of veteran, uh, especially you're going to need a third quarterback too. But I would like to see Tanner McKee get the number two job, and that just doesn't really make sense to me then to bring Mariota back. What about you? Yeah, I mean, Mariota, in addition to not looking good in training camp, he did not play well in the preseason games and was really thoroughly outplayed by Tanner McKee in the preseason games. You and I don't get to watch practice during the season because once training camp is over, we're we're out. We don't get to watch practice. We get to watch them stretch and warm up a little bit during the season, but otherwise we don't get to see the fun parts of practice. Wouldn't that be funny if like we could, and we were doing like regular season. (laughs) Well, we did. I mean, they cut that off during the Andy tenure. Mm. There was one, like Andy actually came into the media house one day. And this is around the time when like a lot of teams were starting to cut off access to practice. Like during the season. And Andy came in and was like, 
personally told us instead of yeah. just having like a PR guy. He came in and was like, "Hey guys, um, we're not going to have you in practice anymore." <laughs> so I actually respected that he came in and told us personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it sucked that we weren't, but like there were times where like you get to see him watch it, you get to watch them like practicing a trick play, and then you'd see it in the game. So, you know, that was kind of fun from that perspective. But, yeah, yeah we're not allowed to watch practice anymore. Um, anyway. So, again, the point I was going for on that was, you know, we don't know what Tanner McKee looked like throughout the season in practice, whether he continued to get better or whether, you know, it was just, I don't know, he got hot or in training camp or the preseason or whatever and just mm-hmm. kind of fell off a little bit thereafter. So, again, that's kind of an unknown. But I'm with you. Like, he seemed like a a player worth – to, you know, like it was, it was very, he, he very quickly uh, made the team, you know, in training. Like it was like, okay, that, that guy's going to make the team. Or it's like, you know, Clayton Thorson in the past, you're like, that guy is not going to make the team or shouldn't yeah. make the team. I think we even and saw that in OTAs, like I was saying last year. Like we saw, I saw enough in OTAs yeah. alone to know that, okay, this isn't Clayton Thorson. Yeah. Like this guy's going to make the team. And, you know, and, and there was a debate whether he should be the two last year like yeah. during the preseason when he was thoroughly out playing. Uh, Marcus right. Mariota. So yeah, I'd be I'd be in on uh, giving him a chance to be the number two. But even if he's not, I feel like he can get a better quarterback for what Mariota costs mm. anyway. I just don't think he was good. So if you want to pay yeah. five million for and and maybe five million is not the right number because the cap went way up. So whatever the mm. equivalent of five million in twenty twenty three is to twenty twenty four, let's say I don't, I don't know, let's say it's six million. Yeah, I think you can better. I think you can get a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota at six million. Or just get a comparable quarterback as Mariota, but pay him a little less, paying like three, four million or something like that. I think there are better. I, th- I don't think he's the value. I don't think he's. I don't think he's a good value. Rather, at what he was paid last year, I think they can do better. Uh, so I, I'm with you. I think he's a go. On the cap thing, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a big story on Friday. It's it's going up more than expected. Which I just think. Let me know if this take is too cynical. Who cares in terms of like. It doesn't. It's not like oh, the cap went up. Now the Eagles have way more money to spend than other teams. It's yeah, all everyone does. Everyone's cap space went up, so it's not like yeah. changing anyone's spending power. I mean, it helps out the teams who are closer towards the bottom, who you know might have been like really tied up against the cap and couldn't do anything. But I think I think it helps them on something like for the Eagles specifically. It, I think it pushes them further in the direction of being able to cut a guy like James Bradbury hmm, and you know well, taking the hit on him. We'll get to um, him next, to, next episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. But, um, but yeah. I, I mean, so I think it, I think it helps the cap-strapped teams sure. that like really weren't going to be able to maneuver and do anything. I don't think the Eagles were in that category anyway. I think they yes. had some maneuverability, but I and I think like you know it does help the Eagles in this case. Whereas it helps, it doesn't really help the teams that have a a buttload of cap space anyway. True. Like it doesn't really help those teams much. But it does help the teams that, you know, either were cap strapped, like the, the cap hell teams, like the Saints certainly helps them. Yeah. Uh, and then teams that are like, you know, that are that are like, oh, decent enough shape, but could use a little more room like the Eagles. I think it helps them. But again, like you said, it, uh, it's, it's not just going up for the Eagles. Right. It goes up for everyone. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess everyone knows that, but it's just kind of the reactions a little funny to me because it's like, I just don't think it changes a whole lot. It's good. Sure. But it's not like, oh, this is a game changer. Like the Eagles found suddenly 30 million more cap space uh, that no one else has. Anyway, it was also uh, expected that it was going to go up substantially, but right. it went up a little more than was expected. Yeah. I just don't think it changes much like in the big picture is my point. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think it 
it's not like it's not like Howie Rosen woke up on Friday and saw that news and was like, "Oh crap, this is awesome!" Like, <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, uh, what's your next player? DeAndre Swift. I'm gonna say that he's not back because I think he gets more money elsewhere, and I also think that to me it is incredibly obvious for any team in the NFL that wants to sign a running back wait out the market there's so many good it's it's yeah. so much a buyer's market there's so many good running backs relatively speaking that are going to be free agents you have saquon barkley of jk dobbins who i know he's been hurt but like has been ama- like pretty great when he's been healthy mm-hmm. you have deandre swift you have tony pollard you have josh jacobs who am i like austin eckler is out there there's so many free agent running backs deandre swift yeah. obviously uh there's so many free agent running backs derrick henry is out there there's there's so many running backs on the market that it would be incredibly foolish to rush to sign one when you can just wait. And also, not just even like you the nature of the position where people aren't paying those guys anyway for the most part. So right. there's no reason to get a jump on the market. Like just let the market speak because who cares? Like who cares if you sign Deion Swift versus like whoever, like another one of those guys at some level. I don't think it's worth, you know, paying a premium to make sure you get that guy, you like your guy as much as I'd rather just have the better value ultimately. So I'm going to say go unless every team does that and all of a sudden there is no money for running backs and he decides to come back to Philly on a one-year deal where he's from, but that's the only way I see him back. Yeah, agreed on that. And like you look back to last year the way they handled Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders made the Pro Bowl just like you know, DeAndre Swift made the Pro Bowl this year. Miles Sanders actually got the, oddly enough, got the best contract among all the free agent running backs on the market last year and still didn't make that much. It was, I think it was like four years, like 24 million yep. or something like that. And yeah, and how'd that go? Was, and it'd be like six million a year or whatever it was. And he had a terrible season for the yeah. Panthers. Um, but like, you know, that was too rich for the Eagles' blood. And he made it pretty clear, like, he wanted to stay in Philadelphia and the Eagles didn't seem to sort of share that sentiment and you know could would might he have come back to the eagles for a tiny bit less maybe i'd say even probably but i don't know the eagles didn't seem interested in you know matching that or or anything close to what he made in carolina which again wasn't that much just six million a year um and that was at a time where the market was not good like there weren't there weren't many running backs on the market last year and the eagles didn't seem to care and they wound up of course trading for swift uh during the draft so um, you know, as you mentioned, good point that this year it's a it's a much more loaded running back, uh, you know, a group of running backs to choose from. And they're just going to wait it out. And they'll, yeah. they'll see which which run. By the way, like the the appeal of DeAndre Swift over a guy like Miles Sanders was his, you know, the potential contributions that he was going to make in the passing game. Just didn't see it. And I don't know if it was Swift's fault. Or if it was the scheme's fault, I probably lean toward the latter. Agree, but his 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 receiving numbers just weren't good at all. Uh, in in twenty twenty three, he was decent as a runner. Uh, I mean, he was I think he was fourth or fifth in the NFL in rushing yards in the league, but he barely had like over a thousand yards. So it was really a down year for you know running backs from a rushing perspective, uh, league wide, and that's why he made the Pro Bowl. But that's a player that I would not be looking to you know break the bank on especially when there are so many options let the market come to you and you'll probably land probably end up with some decent back if you even if you just sit around and wait right 
they do need to add someone, obviously, because the only running backs they have under contract for next year are Kenny Gainwell and mm-hmm. Lou Nichols from the practice squad, the futures contract. So, you know, Boston. And the guy they just signed, uh, uh, Ty. Oh, true. Yes. Ty Davis, Davis Price. Price. Yes. Thank but you. I don't think that guy's any good because I was looking at his numbers from <laughs> both like college and the preseason yeah. 49ers. Like they're not, they're not good numbers in the regular season. So maybe, maybe he is. He's got but... good size, has some explosiveness, yeah. but as you, like his yards per carry at LSU yeah. were like 4.6, which is fine in the NFL, but in college that stinks like, yeah. for, for guys like probably going to go to the pro. Usually like guys that get drafted are, you, you want to see them like over six yep. yards per carry in college is ideal. And you're playing at LSU. So, you know, I don't know, like it's, it's hot, better competition uh, in the sec or whatever. And then like, and the limited number of carries he got with the Niners, he was, I think he was under three one year. Yeah. And then the other year he was 3.5 or something like that. So I wouldn't be too excited about him either. He's right. lower on the excitement scale than, you know, like Trey Sermon was when they signed him. I agree. In my opinion. I agree. I think, yeah, Trey Sermon had showed a higher ceiling at some point in time. Uh, okay. Next, All right, next one. guy. Quez, your favorite. Quez. Uh, I don't, I never like BLG favorite, <laughs> but, it's, but it's true. Like I liked Quez a lot at one point <laughs> in time because, you know, we, we see them play well in training camp and I thought he could be something, but then it just became apparently clear that that vision was not becoming a reality. Yeah. And for some reason it's taken the Eagles coaching staff way too long to be able to like come to reality on him and have like a sober, yeah. honest assessment of who Quez Watkins is. And yeah, I'm going to say go, in part because I think he wants to go, too. I don't think he wants to be back here. I think he wants, Probably even true. if the money is similar, I think he'd actually rather go, whereas some guys would rather stay <laughs> and not uproot their life. I actually think he would rather go to somewhere else where he feels like he might be able to get like more of an opportunity because he knows what the deal is here. Even if he thinks he's great, his perception is going to be that, you know, this team, uh, the offense runs through AJ and Goddard and Devontae. So just, you know, he's not going to be... He's not going to crack the top three. Uh, and, you know, really, he's behind that, too, with Swift last year. So, yeah, I think he's going to find an opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, they benched him at the end of the year, too. At one point, he was yep basically like wide receiver six. Like, he was even behind Britton Covey at one point late in the season. So He should have been. Uh, the, the Eagles eventually did realize what fans in the media already knew for a while, which is that bad things happen when the ball went his way consistently. Yep. Over a period of a couple of years, and they finally benched him. And I think they're, I think they're out on him uh, as much as he probably also wants out. He's a clear go for me. And also say, throw in here that Julio Jones, I expect to be gone as well. Yeah, I mean, he might just retire. Like, he wasn't really doing yeah. much. He had that. He had what should have been the Julio Jones game against the Cardinals, and then turned out <laughs> not to be. But he got to pat. Yeah, his, he's going like, to join guys like Art Monk, mm. James Lofton. Mark Duper, who like played for the Eagles really late in their careers after like long after they were the players that they once were. I wonder this is like so who cares, but I wonder if like when Julio Jones does go to the Hall of Fame, will the Eagles like tweet out slash and or like write an article? I bet they like, do. They probably say, yeah, probably they do. will. Former Eagle Julio Jones goes to the Hall of Fame anyway. I uh, mean, so like. When Terrell Owens got in, for example, it had like all the teams that he played for 
like the bills were on there, you know, like, you know, yeah. so, so like not just the 49ers and Eagles or whatever. Um, the, you know, I wonder the two most noteworthy teams he played for. This is the tangent, but I, I feel like the T.O. thing is interesting to me in terms of his Eagles legacy. I feel like you can't as an organization just ignore it. Like you have to, like, I think they should bring him back at some point, you know, and celebrate yeah. like that time in that era. That, that was one like, year. It was really <laughs> yeah. good though. It was an exciting year. Like that's, I mean, back it to was the my, benchmark of like, you know, best Eagles wide receiver season ever. That, that was the yes. one that got like, like when we were like last year, we were talking about AJ Brown. Like, is, is he, is he better this year than T.O. was in, in 2004? So and that he was like the benchmark. He He's the one who took my like Eagles fandom to another level. Like I considered myself, like I watched him in fan, but then I was like all in, I was just like, you know, so emotionally invested yeah. at that point. Um, Cause it was exciting and it was fun. And I know, yeah, it was a short lived, but, I think they should, but in, I mean, he was all, I think he doesn't get enough credit for like how awesome he was in that Super Bowl when he was playing on like a broken leg or whatever. He was great. Yeah. For, like that was unprecedented. So whatever. Uh, it's a tangent. I think from a reporter should, like, perspective, it would have been very fun covering him in 20, in 2005. Oh, of course. <laughs> with the, but also with the sit-ups in the driveway. <laughs> it's been, it's, we're going on 20 years now in terms of like, let bygones be guy. Like I think yeah, they're allowed yeah, to yeah. acknowledge the good part of it. And Bring him back in some capacity. You know, make him like a, a captain for a game or something. You know, I don't know. Do something. Uh, he should be visible. He he played a part in Eagles history. And I've always been a T.O. guy. So I feel like they should do something to kind of like recognize that. Right, anyway. Next guy, uh, Alameda Zacchaeus. I think he should be back. And I don't know if he will because kind of just seems like the mold of a player who. Um, or This might just be a situation where like. If it's not an obvious stay, they might just kind of let him go, or maybe he feels like he can find a bigger opportunity elsewhere. But if I was the Eagles, I would keep him and I would get him more involved because, very much unlike Quez Watkins, good things happened when Alamedes Kias got the ball. Now, obviously, you know, it's not like he had enough or had great production, but I think that's more about the lack of opportunity. And I think he deserved more opportunity. Uh, but am I going to be heartbroken if he's gone? No, but I, I do think that he's better. Then I think I think for whatever team he signs next, I think he has the potential to be a good value. So why not the Eagles? He was the number two receiver in uh, Atlanta in 2022. Yeah, I guess he was the number three uh, target behind Drake London and Kyle Pitts. But he was their number two. Kyle Pitts, of course, tight end. But he was the number two receiver, and you know he had decent numbers there that year. It comes to Philly, and then he's barely the number. three you know, I mean, barely even the number four option in the Eagles offense with, as you know, I mean, everything that you just mentioned about Quez Watkins, about how he, he might want to seek a, another opportunity. He saw firsthand how the offense runs through AJ and Devontae and Dallas mm-hmm. Goddard. And then there's a chasm between those three guys and whoever's up next. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to be back because he doesn't want to be back. I think the Eagles would be happy to have him back, but yeah, I think he's out. Uh, I'm looking at his last, his last one, two, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, his last seven games. So before, yeah, before like the Giants game, you know, where the backups ran, uh, so not counting that one, he had just three targets on offense. So I'm not including the, the Cowboys special teams, um, you know, play, cause that's not, it was a trick play. It wasn't part of an offensive design. But like that's so pathetic. Like he was doing good things, and you can't, you can't get him yeah. involved at all. 
And also, if I'm him and I'm watching like Quez Watkins play over me yes. for the first half of the season, I'm like, what? Like this, right. this, this, play, this guy's playing more than me. It's, it's ridiculous. Mm. I'd, I'd, I'd want out. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think he'll do well with a new team in a role, small role. Uh, right, what's the next one? Go uh, bench player here, but Jack Driscoll. And I think a rele- like a relevant person because this is Lane Johnson's top backup, right? Like it's not just like oh whatever, like you know, okay, if Lane goes down now, who's who's who is it? Who's tell me today? Who's who's Lane? Who's playing at right tackle if Lane Johnson gets hurt? Exactly. That's the point. You don't know. Like, so it's not an insignificant thing. Like, that's, that's, that's something they have to figure out. And obviously, they have an opportunity to maybe address that position in the draft. They can figure that out this offseason. But, you know, it's just a lot to assume that a rookie can come in or even that you'll get that guy that you feel comfortable with. So, um, that's tough. What do you think? I think he's gone. Um, I think he's going to. So, he had, he had the one really bad game where Lane got hurt against the Jets. Yeah. And then a variety of guys just wrecked Driscoll the rest of that game. And he was a big he was a big part of the reason they lost that game. It was For sure. so bad at right tackle. And then he played he started against the Bills when Lane was unexpectedly uh a scratch for that game. We we learned, I don't know, like two hours before game time that Lane wasn't mm. gonna play. And Jack Driscoll was going to be starting. He played well in that game. And, you know, he's filled in at times. He started games. I think it was a guy that, like, early in his career, you're like, oh, this guy's, like, maybe on a starting trajectory. And then he wasn't at some point because he never really got better, in my opinion. But he's he's a versatile player. He's played right tackle. He's played right guard. Played Actually even played a little left tackle uh, at some point. So... I think it's just going to be a matter of some team's going to be able to pay him more than the Eagles can afford to pay a guy that they know is just going to be a backup only. Whereas he might get an opportunity to start for another team, whether he starts or not, who knows, but I think there's going to be some team out there willing to pay him more than the Eagles probably can. Yeah. Maybe he links up with like Doug Peterson again, or yeah. Uh, Roy Isfin and the the Browns, right? Maybe you know, Browns. Maybe, yep. Yeah. Yep. Maybe there's a place where he can go where he has like a chance. Jags to are very O line needy, so I could absolutely see that. Yeah, a, a chance to compete at least, if not, you know, signing for a starting job outright, like somewhere where you know he'll be in like a training camp battle where he has the ability to kind of like maybe be a starter. Or, Doug is a great call, or uh, you know, maybe the top guard off the bench, you know, or top mm-hmm. ta- like top backup guy, like you're you're utility your alan barbre if you will um by the way i guess it would be fred johnson who'd be starting at right tackle if you had to start mm-hmm. like right now a game um and i think actually i kind of had forgotten about him obviously when <laughs> i asked that and yeah I'd, I'd almost rather see i i wanted him to play over jack driscoll when especially after seeing jack driscoll struggle against the jets because it's like well, why did you keep fred johnson around and give him an extension if and also he has experience playing at tackle and he to me I always have felt like Driscoll looks like more of a guard to me. Like he's not big. He's not like he doesn't have the prototypical tackle size. I feel like as much as Fred Johnson very much does. Uh, right. So yeah, I would say he's going to be gone from a mix of probably. I guess if I had to guess, probably more so because he wants to be gone. I think the Eagles, you know, would take him back if if they could get him back. But uh, I'm going to guess that he wants to go elsewhere. 
And finally, obvious one here, Jason Kelsey. I, I mean, obvious, obvious for me to for him to be on our list. Not yeah. obvious what he's going what he's going to do. I think they should cut him. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> uh, hmm. I know, I know your answer because I listened to that podcast I talked about with uh-huh. Um, I guess. The one thing I have trouble with is just like, is he going to go out like he did? Like, is that, does he really want to go out that way? And now the problem with that is it's not a guarantee you go out better. If you come back, you know, it could get get worse. Yeah. So I'm arguing against myself. I guess, I guess I'm going to say he's not going to be back. I think the Schefter thing, it doesn't come from nowhere. People were like, oh, well, Schefter, whatever. And I, know I, don't, even, I don't even know what he said. What, what, what did Schefter well, say? The day after the Bucks game, Schefter said, uh, he didn't okay. say Jason oh, right. Kelsey okay. is yeah. going to retire. He specifically yeah. said Jason Kelsey told his teammates that like he's done. Yeah. And that doesn't mean Jason has to be beholden to that decision. But yeah, I just think, you know, with Jason, like kind of seemingly enjoying retirement and I don't think it's totally, you know, up to him. He said when that fan was like, you know, don't retire or whatever. And it's like, I'm trying not to or whatever you know i think there's a family conversation there and uh you know maybe kylie kelsey you know what kind of wants him to come be part of the family more so and, and not be away yeah. and un- very understandably so um and like you just you know it's just it's it's so grueling and he he just has this unparalleled for like transition into a new career like that so many nfl players don't have available to them or or can but like don't don't actually have that reality and um i think i think he's comfortable with me sharing this our our good buddy trey thomas used to be on the podcast like i could just get a sense from him sometimes of like retiring is boring because then it's all of a sudden it's like well now what like now what do i do and and trey would be like wife wants me out of the house man like, like, you know, because it's like she doesn't want me hanging around at home. Like, she's like, go do something. So, and obviously, Trey has done a lot of different stuff between his painting and uh, his his podcast and appearances on here and whatnot. Um, but I think like people don't always think about that part. Like, you think about like retirement because you know we think about retirement. Careful more, what like, you wish for, Kylie. <laughs> well, we also think about retirement in more of like I feel like a normal people, quote unquote, normal people standpoint where yeah. you know, like you're older. You know, like you're you're in your. 50s or 60s or whatever right, you know right. age you are these guys are like early to mid 30s right or, or so, even late 20s sometimes yeah you're like your whole life in theory in front of you still so you know it's a it's a big decision for sure but ultimately uh i think i lean i'm not like convinced obviously with how much time it's taking me to answer this freaking question i'm gonna say i'm gonna <laughs> lean towards uh he is not back Okay, so you say go. Okay, I, I thought you were the way that you were kind of presenting that you were going to say. Stay. I'm close. I'm really. Cl- I'm like. I'm. I'm not. I don't feel convicted. But if I have to place a wager, and I, I guess I'm going to lean towards he's not back. Yeah, I um, just watching him in the locker room after their playoff loss in Tampa that dude looked like he was done yeah. with football and like, he was like, you know, I can't, I can't talk to the media and he's like, he doesn't ever do that. He's always, yeah. you know, super media friendly. And he was like, I, I'm not talking. And he, you know, he left. <laughs> so like, I was like, Oh, that guy's done. Like he's, he's not playing football anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, as you mentioned, the Schefter report came out, I was like a day or two later or whatever it was. 
Um, totally the next morning. Yeah. Oh, was it the next morning? Okay. Yeah. So totally unsurprising that that came out, um, that he had, you know, told teammates or whatever, um, that he was going to retire. And then Jordan Mailata, I guess, recently also kind of said that he thought that <laughs> yeah. he, he wasn't going to be back. Very which, definitively. Uh, he's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> right. So, you know, I think the evidence is kind of there that he's probably not going to be back. Mm-hmm. Um, you never know. I mean, these guys, they, it's hard to give it up when you love playing the game that much. And it's beyond just playing or whatever. It's the camaraderie with you know the other players in the locker room and that kind of stuff. And it's hard. Like, you have that lifestyle for so long. And it's hard to... You know, um, you know, uh, imagine the idea of being without that after mm-hmm. you've done it for as long as, as Jason Kelsey has. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I lean strongly toward him not coming back. Zach Berman actually make, made like, during that podcast that, you know, he and I mm-hmm. and, and Jeff McLean did. Um, he made the point that I guess he was listening to the Chris Long podcast and Jeff Fisher had advised Chris Long near the end of his career, like don't retire in a month yep. that begins with J. So like don't retire in January when you're really beat up from the season and you know, your body's worn down and you might make a decision um, based on how you're feeling in that moment. Physically. I think and a then, lot of guys might retire if the decision had to be made. In January, <laughs> if they, I think yes. like a lot more people would retire. And then don't retire in like June or July, uh, you know, like when the season's right around the corner, and um, maybe you don't feel like doing it um, at that point or, or um, I don't know, whatever. So uh, make your decision, you know, when you've had it, when your body's feeling okay, but you're not right up against the season. And, you know, when you can kind of think clearly about, you know, how, you know, what you want to be going forward um, as a person, as opposed to just being a football player. And he has that podcast, which is obviously mm-hmm. immensely popular. He's that dude's basically like a household name at this point, not just among football fans, but like regular people mm-hmm. because of the tangential uh, affiliation with his brother and Taylor Swift, obviously. So, I mean, he's a super well-known person. It was like made like the, uh, the, what was it? The, I don't remember what publication it was, but like one of the sexiest, sexiest men. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like the top 100 sexiest yeah, up men. there with like he, Timothy Chalamet and uh, who else? Like, you know, imagine, celebrities. Imagine being on that kind of list, you know, if you're Jason Kelsey. So like he's uh, he's not going to be he's not going to be out of the spotlight when he retires. He's very much going to be um, a, a notable you know, personality. I'm sure he could find any kind of job he wanted as like a commentator if he wanted well, that. There were rumors about the, that when he was out in Vegas that he was like interviewing with some of the networks. Mm-hmm. He's done like media, um, like uh, schooling is probably the wrong way to put it, but like training. media uh, Boot training yeah, with yeah. other players, that kind of stuff. So, you know, he's already kind of had that on his mind for his post playing career, you know, whether that's like as a, as a guy that's like in the, in the studio, um, you know, just talking about the game or whatever, or actually calling games as a commentator uh, up in the booth. I think he could do any of it because yep. he's, he's smart and obviously he knows football inside and out and he's very, um, uh, love you know, he's, he's, he's very articulate. Um, obviously has like you know, a, insanely insanely popular podcast where he talks a lot on that so um there's no doubt that he could do it um i think he's gone like i i think ultimately he's going to realize that 
his body and his health, it's not worth risking it, you know, doing another season when, as you mentioned, there's no guarantees of, you know, any kind of success um, with this Eagles team going forward. So, um, yeah, I have him as a go, but wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't totally shock me if he came back because, you know, it's hard to give up. Yeah, I don't think it's impossible. And um, I think the money, you know, is, is relevant here. I think maybe less so in terms of you might be able to get it elsewhere, the broadcasting and whatnot. And that's ultimately part of why yeah. he would. I don't think Jason Kelsey is solely motivated by money. But when the the rumors of him first retiring started after the 2018 season, right, to be fair, like really that's kind of when it really, I think first, I think there was a report out there at one point that he had like, his family members had like said that Jason was going to retire. I think that was like after the 2018 or late in the 2018 mm-hmm. season. Well, I bring that up because like when you look at the cash paid on this over the cap page after that year, like you went up from, you know, 6 million in 2019, 2018. And I remember they redid his deal. I think a little bit early 2019 mm-hmm. to 8.5 million. And all of a sudden in 2020, when, you know, all these years are like, is he going to retire? Is he not 11.5, 11, 13, 14.5 um so you know that's a factor too and being the highest yeah. paid center and i think that's part of why you know i know he has good communication good relationship with the eagles but it still is a contract negotiation and you want to have your leverage right so you know if you want to get the most money you kind of have to at least at some level like look like you might not come back because then the eagles give you a lot of money to then come back so um even if you do definitely want to come back you don't just say that right then it's like you're ruining your leverage at some level. Not that the Eagles still wouldn't pay him a lot, but you know, I think you, you owe it to yourself to maintain leverage. So uh, I think that's part of it. And like to, in terms of uh, like, it's, it's, it's it's a, it's a big offer to turn down. Now, again, it might not matter if he has money elsewhere coming in from broadcasting. It doesn't matter as much, but still, if you're looking at this based on recent years, I'm sure he might get like 15, 16 million now or whatever. If you're looking at that one year, $16 million, it's a lot of money to turn down and say no to. So that's why, to the point of like why he could come back. Uh, again, he might not need that as much considering he can get it elsewhere, but it's it's not nothing. It's not like not anything to sneeze at. That's by the way, uh, we, we've had a lot of media discussions on this podcast episode too. Don't break somebody's retirement. Let them, let them announce their retirement. Why is it your place to, you know, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I disagree. Yeah. Okay. I I mean, it's not, is it cool? Am I going to say it's cool? No, it's not. But like, I don't know. It's Schefter's job to do that. So like, I don't blame him for doing his job. I had Brandon Brooks's retirement. I had it. Like I knew he was retiring. I knew beyond him retiring. I knew he was going to be taking business classes at Penn. Yes. So I had more than just his going to retire. And uh, I actually went to him and the Eagles. And I was like, look, can I, can you like, oh, I asked Brandon first, uh, text him, he didn't reply. <laughs> like, I was like, hey, can, can you, uh, like, can you just talk to me? And, you know, I was like, this to get again? some background. Brandon Brooks. No, I'm saying like, he's like texting you back. Yeah, oh, kidding, yeah, 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 yeah. Who, who yeah. is this? No, he, he, actually, during his press conference, he actually, when I asked my question, he apologized during his, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> he said, like, during his retirement press conference. No, yeah. uh, but anyway, cool. he wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just didn't, you know, he just didn't, he he didn't want to, He was. I think he was afraid by, by like, if he replied, then I was going to say, oh, he's definitely retiring and I'm going to put it out there now. Yeah. He wanted to announce it himself. Sure. Um, but I just wanted to talk to him, like get background so that I had a story ready to go right. for when he announced it. 
Uh, and then I asked the Eagles for their help on that, and they weren't very helpful on that either. But I don't know. I didn't break it. I just I let him retire on his own. I let him announce it on his own because I felt like that was something that I get what um, you're saying. You know? It's not like a, a cooler, um, fun energy to be like, you know, to preempt it. But I don't. Again, if a reporter, <laughs> yeah, who's supposed to report on the NFL gets that information and like, you know, I don't know. I mean, working for ESPN, I don't. I don't like defending. Oh, so I, I'm certainly not saying it's a. Uh, it's um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, I mean, well, within his right to to report that or whatever. Especially not, again, like, he didn't I'm, say he was retiring. He said that he told anyway. his teammates he was retiring. There's a difference there. Like he might not retire, but that doesn't mean. Jason Kelsey he didn't also has tell no relationship theoretically with Kelsey either, as far as I know. Like mm. he doesn't know him personally. I, I assume I don't. Maybe he does. I don't know. I don't um, know. So there's there's none. Of, I mean, I knew Brandon Brooks, so I you know I wasn't going to screw him over and be like, hey, he's retiring. I'm like, screw you, Brandon Brooks. You're not announcing it. I am. Uh, I'm me, the reporter that like that you've talked to you know a couple dozen times. That I'm going to announce your retirement. Take that. You know. So I don't know. Whatever. Uh, I maybe maybe it maybe like that I knew him a little bit factored into my I miss Brandon Brooks. Good dude. Decision. Yeah. Uh very good dude. Anyway, um, I don't know. I talked I to him know, one time. We got what got into so many uh media debates here, but yeah. Uh, anyway, I I didn't feel comfortable breaking his retirement. I did, I I felt like I would feel bad about it later and it wasn't worth the you know the the page views that that would come with it or yeah. like, you know, people citing me or whatever sure. on the articles that it was, it was, that wasn't worth it to me on how I'd feel about it later. Yeah, I get it. That makes sense. It's not like, Oh, I'm the guy. <laughs> what are you going to do? Like put that on your resume. <laughs> I'm the guy. Right, right. Nobody, nobody remembers it a week later anyway. Like who cares? Yeah. Well, especially stories like that. Yeah. That where it's also just out anywhere. It's not like this bombshell thing that no one else yeah. was going to find out or, you know, I think most people, a lot of people, assumed he was going to retire anyway. So it wasn't like it was. It wasn't like it was a surprise or anything like that. Yeah, but yeah, uh, I one of my most favorite stories I did on BGN was with him talking about how the Eagles culture was different from like that. He was referring to like not the actual Patriots culture, having never played for them, but having played for Bill Belichick or um, sorry, Bill Belichick, Bill Bill O'Brien in houston in that kind of thing and just kind of you know how much like culture can matter and obviously the eagles took a step back after the 2017 season there but like how how they were having fun and really now i'm not saying the eagles were bad last year because they had a belichick kind of setup where they weren't uh you know everything was miserable but they weren't having fun. They were definitely not having fun last year. And I think that's that was part of the problem. You touched on that on that podcast too, in terms of like where are the touchdown celebrations? Where are people yeah. looking happy at any point? And that was actually brought up <laughs> in the Mike uh Garofolo reporting on Jalen Hurts like needing to be more available to his teammates or whatever. He said the Eagles like felt good about how Jalen Hurts they they wanted him to have fun at the Pro Bowl. Be like, go to the Pro Bowl and like have fun, like show your personality, like goof off. Like it's okay. It's okay to enjoy this. Like Obviously, you know, you want to work hard and everything, but you have to have fun at some level, too. And that clearly was not the Eagles. The 2023 Eagles were not fun to watch. And in no small part also because they were nothing was fun about it. They weren't yeah. having fun. Um, OK, anyway. Uh, any final thoughts, Jimmy? No, um, Combine is 
I, I said no, and then I started to go into a nope. final thought. Uh, here's, <laughs> here's what I got. So you, are you going? The co- yeah, I'm going. I'm flying out Monday, and then I'm back Wednesday. Some of the guys, like, stay out from Monday until, like, Friday or Saturday or Sunday. Um, that's too long to be in Indianapolis. I'm I'm a little quicker. I go in for Nick and for Howie. That's right. And then for, like, some side things, I'll go out at night. It's a, actually a great place to go out and – um, you know, just kind of talk to other, a lot of other people Network. around the league and, uh, you know, hear rumors and stuff like that. So it's mm. good information gathering event, the combine. Um, and that's also when really they, that, that that's kind of like when people say free agency begins, because that's when teams really start talking to like, they have that, that legal tampering nonsense now where you're allowed to talk to agents two mm-hmm. days before the official start of free agency, which it's funny because like as soon as the illegal tampering part starts, guys start signing like like right away. Like it's just, it's very clear that conversations were had prior mm-hmm. to the legal tampering. But at the combine, that's really kind of when teams and agents start talking money. Um, you know, for guys that like are going to become free agents in a week or two. Um, so yeah, it's important in, in that respect because the whole league is is in this you know one town that's um, and everyone's like in the very like central area uh, of the city around the stadium and the convention center. So I don't know, it's a cool event from that perspective in that you know you, you can get some information there, and um, and certainly information will come out of the talks that we have with uh, with with Nick and Howie. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, again, what, I get in and out. What are you gonna ask but, them? Um. I don't know. There's so many different things to the the one thing, the one question that I have for Nick more than Howie. And I was just thinking about this this morning because I was writing about, you know, my stay or go linebackers thing. Mm-hmm. You and I kind of talked about how, and not about this, not about linebackers, but how like they didn't play their young players enough early this year. Mm-hmm. Like Nolan Smith barely played at all. They didn't get Keely Ringo involved at all uh, early in the season. Um, they didn't get Tyler Steen involved in any, like they were playing Sue Opeta over him. Like, come on, like let the, let the guy that's going to be with the team for the next five years play, like let him, let him have some growing pains. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was writing about the linebackers, you know what? They did that with Nicobe Dean last year too. They couldn't get him involved at all during the 22, 2022 season. Mm-hmm. Like Kaiser white and, um, and TJ Edwards had to play every snap that year. Right. At linebacker. Like he couldn't get Nicobe in a little bit, just get his feet weight a little bit. So my question to Nick was going to be like, is that philosophy going to change going forward? Like you're going to try to, because when the young guys, when you needed them eventually in 2023, they were going in cold feet mm-hmm. when every other team, like the teams that you're facing, they're playing like their best, you know, football of the season at that point. So um, I'm just curious if they've thought about how they, you know, are going to implement younger players going forward um, and whether that's going to change from the way that they've done it during Nick's tenure. Uh, with the I think it's a very underrated thing that that hurt them this year uh, that they didn't get their young players involved early so they were ready to go and when they when they really needed them and then how much that you know playing the young guys can have an effect year over year where Chiefs defense you know was not as good as it was certainly that's a great point in 2022 as it was this past season but they played a lot of young guys who then got better and obviously it's not as simple as just you can't it's not as simple as play the young guys then they get good some you know the talent has to be there and yep sometimes you like you you're playing them but they stink and they just it's not because they don't lack it's not because they lack experience it's because they're not a good football player 
I think people struggle to admit that sometimes, like Jalen Rager once upon a time. It, like, the issue wasn't lack of playing time. Just the issue is he stinks. But sometimes you have to find out if they stink or not, or if they can be good. Yes. And sometimes they can get better with more experience. And I agree with you that they haven't given their young players typically enough of a like a leash or whatever you want to say, enough room to grow, honestly. So, yeah, that is an issue. I think, I think Bo should ask if he's going. Uh, and if not, Zach should ask the same question that Bo asked. I'm pretty sure Bo is. I, I think they're both going. Yeah, I think he should ask the same question that he asked at the end of season press conference, where he asked about like the defensive line, and then oh. how he wasn't <laughs> bottom that we need for like, no reason. Yeah. And he should just re-ask the same exact question to see what I happens. Like that. Yeah. Um, and if yeah. he does, he go back to the Kobe Dean again? Who knows? <laughs> um, but there's an idea. Uh, okay. Yeah, my final thought is we're going long, so we should wrap it up. But we appreciate everyone listening. We'll be back next week with whatever you know comes out of the combine. I'm sure we'll have hopefully more actual substantive rumors to talk about. Yeah, and you know we'll, we'll play our uh, defense version of stay or go as well. Get into any free agency buzz or whatnot, and any kind of combine draft whatever rumors going on as well. By the way, uh, we were go on all six of the guys that I brought up. All of them were go. I was on, well, <laughs> I'm on a stay for OZ in terms of what I'd like to see. Uh, I do think it's probably more likely that he is not back on his volition, but I would, I would keep, I would keep OZ. So there you go. And again, I think Swift could come back if you wait out the market and I would be, I'd be yep. very much down with that too. I just wouldn't, it's just more about the philosophy of wait, like don't try to beat the market. Um, right, but I would if he come if you if you do that and he's available, yeah, bring him back. Absolutely, that's how um, they will play that. By the way, right. they, they, they've that's how they absolutely right. will play that. But it's not like go like don't bring him back. No, it's like bring him back, but just bring him back in a way that is patient. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, check out you know this podcast on the Bleeding Your Nation YouTube channel if you're not already watching. If you're just listening to the audio feed, it's also there. Make sure you subscribe and. Well, they say on YouTube, like hit that bell so you can get the notifications. <laughs> hit that subscribe hit that bell, button. like subscribe, uh, whatever the YouTube thing is. And uh, check out our social media and everything, our sponsor information. That's all in the episode description. So the links are there and the promo codes and whatnot. You can find that all in one nifty place. In addition to our social media handles, if you want to interact with us, you can also find us there. Check out my work at bleedingyournation.com. Check out Jimmy Kemsky's work at phillyvoice.com, and we'll be back with you next week. Goodbye, everybody. B-G-N.